Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome once again to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this final episode of Talking Terror for 2021. And what better way to send you guys out than with my film pick of the week, To All Good Night from 1980, and directed by David Hess, the same actor that played Krug in Last House on the Left. And we'll see if you could bring that skill to a movie. But before all that is said and done, we're not going to be joined by the Dean tonight because he's on some private jet like uh, fucking Joe Namath. Can't be a part of the show tonight, but maybe next year he'll show up and bring the same heat he always does. But we do have our two co-hosts, first and foremost, the bold and the beautiful, the gold geek Keith. Hello, hello, hello. Christmas greetings, everyone. How are you doing tonight? Christmas beatings to you as well. Yes, I'm I'm doing well. Hope everybody out there is doing well as well. And we're also joined by the psychotic monkey, the mad monkey, the prince of Moore's Day. Yes, get funky with the monkey. Yeah! Keep it a funky, keep it a fresh, because that is what we do here at Talking Terror. Yes, this is the last episode of this year, but definitely not the last episode of the show ever. No, sir. Yeah, so don't you worry. Don't you fret, because we're going to fill your ears with holiday cheer as we come in your ears for the next two hours on horror news, movie reviews, and all the other cool shit that makes Talking Terror the baddest motherfucking podcast in all of the motherfucking land. So, for all of the tens and tens, thank you, Mama, for listening. Uh, uh, fans who listen live, <laughs> just make sure you listen live, like we always do every week. Listen on Spotify, listen on iTunes. It really doesn't fucking matter because, like, a bad case of gonorrhea, we are everywhere, baby. What is up, my family? Yeah. Wow. That was a lot of coke. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> oh, yes. Got the mic and walk, because that's what I fucking do. <laughs> Got to put a coat over him and walk him off. Jeez. After that. See, well, thanks for bringing the heat. <laughs> Got to. It's going to be the final episode of 2021. Hell yeah, baby. It's what we do. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Last episode. Oh, and yeah, minutes. for... Before we get into it and all that kind of shit, is just seriously, I just sit there and want to thank you guys. Is like you know, uh, for coming together every week like we do, doing what we do, and going into movies and breaking down movies. It's like king for you, you know, bringing all of your knowledge that you bring. You know, cool sit there. Thank you for all your alternate takes of what you come out with, which would definitely be better fucking movies than what we watch. Um, and the the dean where it's like I know I can always go down a rabbit hole of eighties <laughs> trivia of bad eighties comedies with them. It's like, but seriously, it's like you guys is like give me the opportunity to sit there and check out movies and break it down. And 
really, really delve into it and really, really enjoy the movies that we watch because of what we do. And I'm really, really glad and thankful for you guys for inviting me onto the show, making me a part of it, and just allowing me to share my love of horror with some other people. Couldn't have said it better myself, Monkey. I think we all bring something to the table. And I think that's what makes us unique and a good show that everybody should be listening to. And it's on Spotify. Yes. I agree with it all. You know, in, in, the, words <laughs> yeah. of demon, in the words of the demonic fiend, yes, I enjoy being on the show. Yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Pretty sure you would have said yes and thank oh. you. You had, a little bit, you had a little bit too much flavor to that. Yeah, I think, you know what you're right. I'm using a little bit too much in the in the in the way of manners and and uh, you know inflection and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> not a uh, not model fucking 101 level uh, <laughs> energy that that he brings. <laughs> now I know but, that. Uh, <laughs> now I know tonight the king ahead, definitely has his very very well researched best of 2021 list that we are going to get to. Um, but before we get to that, uh, Ghoul, Professional. Um, you have done a shitload of movie watching, man, and I'm going to put you on the spot right away because I got to know how, like, despite anything else you saw, dude, I want to know what was the audience responses to uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, again, obviously, uh, yes. So last week uh, I saw Spider-Man on Thursday. Uh, me and the, the two kids. Uh, you know, I, I have to say, the the audience, you know, would I have preferred a more energetic type of crowd? Uh, probably. I don't know if it's because it's the whole pandemic thing, if it was just a bunch of, like, you know, built up just uh, tension, just because nobody knew exactly what we were getting and were we going to see, what you know, what we wanted to see and, and, and all of that. Uh, I found that, the, for the most part, the crowd was very, like, um, they were very, like, tampered down. There was really no, uh, really? not much in the way of, like, whoops and hollers and applause. And, <laughs> like, I know, like, we clapped during certain parts, you know, and me and this other guy, we were fucking howling and hollering with laughter during, you know, plenty of the comedic sequences. But it was it was one of those where, like, I was laughing really hard and he was laughing really hard and, like, you could just hear the two of us laughing really hard. It's like as if the jokes <laughs> kind of like fell like fucking flat on the audience. Now, I know everybody loves this movie. This is now like in most people's top five, you know, Marvel films and, and all of that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so I would have preferred a bit more of an energetic crowd. That being said, of course, though, you know, where we were seated, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've grown a lot over the years and like I think you know like I, I've spoken about like I have you know very specific like there's just certain things I'm specific about and that's like you know my movie experiences like I don't like people talking I get that it's going to happen here and there but it better not be yeah. fucking overdoing it you know 
So, so here we are, and again, I know, we're in, like, pandemic world. People aren't used to getting into big crowded theaters and this and that, and talking really wasn't that much of an issue. But I do find that it's, like, people's manners seem to have, like, fucking vanished over the course of all this time. So, like, we, to, to my left, where I, I was sitting, because originally the seat that I was in was Sam's seat, but it didn't recline. It was broken, and... You know, I felt bad for the kids. She wanted to recline, so I gave her my seat and sat in hers. So, you know, the oh, three seats nice together, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way to the right, you know. And to my left is this, like, I don't know, some dude, maybe somewhere between the age of, like, I would hazard the guess and just give him a range of 14 to 17. He's somewhere in there. It was dark. I'm not really looking yeah. at him. Didn't look at him when they came in. Um, and next to him were like two girls or whatever it is. Now, look, I was that age at one point, And I remember full on teenage hormones and having fun and, and all of those things. But, you know, like a, as, as a couple of like whispers here and there, whatever, he's explaining things. I, I'm all for it. But when it turns into a full on like six year old type action popcorn fight between like him and the one other person it was like all right again i was a teenager once you know what and i remember mating rituals he's somehow hoping that he's gonna weasel his way into this chick's fucking pants by throwing popcorn <laughs> at her and you know like i really want to lean over and be like be like bro that ain't how it's done uh but but i'm not here to give him sex advice so so whatever you know I'm going to let that kind of, I'll let that go for, you know, as long as it's within like a reasonable amount of time. You know what? After five fucking plus minutes of this going back and forth, I just had finally like fucking had it. And like, I just looked at him like as dead face as I could. And like, I know this is somebody else's kid. And if somebody said it to one of mine, I, I mean, you know, I probably wouldn't react so, so, so nicely about it. But at the same time, I think if one of my kids were acting like that and I was present, I would have already jumped on them for doing it in the first place. But, like, I just fucking, like, looked at him and was just like, dude, seriously, cut the fucking shit. You know, and he just, like, looked at like, fucking horrified. Did you actually actually say anything or did you just give him a parental look? No, no, that's that's what I said to him. I was not going to sit there and give him fucking parental looks. There was no, I'm watching a movie that I've been waiting to see. You know, again, it's a fun film. You're going to have a good time while doing it. I'm all for playfulness. Within reason, though. I mean, come on. You yeah. Know, this, this levels up. You know, of course, the ghoul girls, like, oh, it was probably only a minute, you know, and to you it felt like five minutes. And I'm like, nah, nah, at least like three scenes went down, like within the time frame. Like I was, because as it was, I know it made me real tense as soon as like it started, you know, and I'm like, oh man, this fucking got to be kidding me. These motherfuckers are going to pull this bullshit. <laughs> like seriously, man, like of all the fucking places in the theater, you got to sit next to me and pull this shit. Like, come on, kid. <laughs> okay, but so, I survived. So movie- I survived the theater experience. <laughs> so movie-wise, did it deliver for you? Uh, again, I went into the movie. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I went into the movie with pretty high expectations. I'm happy to say okay. that it met and exceeded them to a degree. Oh, uh, I am looking forward to seeing the film again. 
to see if, you know, maybe those rose-colored fucking goggles are a little bit diminished now that, like, I know everything that's going to happen and there won't be any surprises. Um, but I don't think so. I really think they, uh, they did a, a great job of creating an evolution between the three home-based movies with this one being the okay. end of that, like, trilogy. So... It all fucking flows very well, and by the time it's done, it gave me, it gave me a better appreciation for the two that came before it. Sweet. <laughs> and then I'm going to keep keep you on the spot because you said you also saw Matrix. So, again. Yes, yes. I uh, was going to go to the movie theater to see it. I bought my ticket like two weeks ago. I was going to meet up with a buddy to go. Um, last minute, he canceled on me, and I was like, you know what? My only real reason for going to the theater, because I can watch it here, and as much as I want to see, you know, it's a Matrix movie. I want to see it on the big screen, blah, 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 blah. It's just before Christmas. I didn't feel like going. And, you know, I don't know, with all this fucking COVID variants going on and all the traveling that I got to do and all the shit that I got going on, it's like, you know what, man? If I could sit home, watch it on my fucking 65-inch and get a similar experience, well, then that is exactly what the fuck I'm going to do. So at, like, exactly 3.55, I canceled my 4 o'clock ticket. Uh, it wasn't like the theater was filled anyway, so I kind of feel bad. I should have probably just kept the seat so it looked like somebody fucking went, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, again, a quick, you know, non-spoiler review. Uh, in my opinion, definitely better than the second movie. Um it is, you know, maybe on par with the third, leaning more towards the, it tries to be more like the first Matrix movie. Um, I think okay. there's a lot of shit that they could have either edited or maybe didn't necessarily need to put in to the movie, but I do like some of the stuff that they played with, and I you know what, again, I, I had fun with it, you know, it was nice going back to, to the world of the Matrix, uh, the fights felt very, um, it felt like there was a physicality to the fighting, so I feel like they, they went less with the wire foo and, and all the special effects shit for it, and kind of just went more bare bones to the, to, to the battling, which was, I don't know, I kind of found it neat. Um, oh, okay, cool. But yeah, so... Yeah, so overall, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time. You know, like, I was really worried about this one, I'll be honest with you, because I saw a fucking, like, you know, accidentally, and I never go by reviews, I don't seek them out or anything like that. I began right, in right. a total douchebag move, like, straight up on Facebook, like, posted a fucking review. So as, like, I was scrolling through my feed, oh, wow. I almost never see anything from fucking IGN. I don't, I don't ever go to IGN's Facebook, so I don't even know why it was even on my page. But as I scrolled up, like, there it was, like, with a big fucking number and, like, in big letters, like, what their main thoughts were about the movie. And it was like, wow, aren't you guys a bunch of douchebags? But uh, it, it was much better. Get out of that fucking litter box, dog. Get out of there. Seriously, with me right here. <laughs> just go. Just gonna try to go on in there like there's a snack waiting for you. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, definitely, it was. Uh, it, it was. It was not as bad as their review made it out to be. I do see what flaws they brought up. I just did not think of them as bad as they made it sound. Cool. All right. 
And that, that's the and that's all I got about me poking the ghoul king. <laughs> so if you sit there and like to continue, uh, thanks for letting me take up the time. <laughs> well, yeah, not a problem. But uh, before I get into my top ten of 2021, I just want to thank you, Monkey, for the Christmas presents that uh, you delivered to me on Friday. Uh, epic, to say the least, that I have a copy of the first cassette I ever bought, Ghostbusters 2 on the soundtrack. Amazing that it has cigarette burns and well-loved. I was like, holy shit, I'm looking at the first cassette I ever bought, <laughs> Ghostbusters 2, and it's now in my collection. Uh, can't believe I have it, and it goes up on the Ghostbusters wall, you know, along with my other stuff. And the uh, clown mask that Michael Myers wore when he was six years old and he killed Judas, it's from Trick or Treat Studios, and it's the replica. looks exactly like the one from the movie. It's amazing. Because you think about that white Captain Kirk mask, but you forgot that he wore one when he was a kid and killed his sister. So that is also up on mm-hmm. the Halloween wall in my apartment. So very cool mask. Yeah. And in return, I want to thank you, man, for the awesome book that you got me of a first edition of You've Got Rid on You. Um, a, a book about how Shaun of the Dead was made. It's an also awesome uh, print. Is like the fact that it's, you know, the, the pages are actually trimmed with. Uh, excuse me, uh, you know, red glitter there, um, you know, just not, not, and uh, like, seriously, it's like, I, I opened it up and like, you could feel the book just go, like, just cause mm-hmm. the book was like so fucking fresh and the ink on the edge of the pages were so fresh and shit like that. Like this was a virgin book that no one had ever touched. I'd never had a book like that where, you know, the, the edges were gilded like that. And, you know, you open it up, and that had never happened to me before, ever. And now I'm a quarter of the way through the book, you know, and just enjoying the story. And and I know you haven't gotten there, so <laughs> I'm just saying I'm enjoying what they're telling. I'm I'm enjoying the, this book immensely because I'm what was literally in between books, and you hit me up right at the perfect time where I just jumped right into it. And I was just like, "Fuck yes!" Like I literally like like last night <laughs> fell asleep like. You know, while sitting up reading the book, woke up several hours later, still there with the book in my hands, like, huh? I've never fucking fell asleep with a fucking book in my hands. But, yeah, <laughs> it, it it is a good read. It's got lots of lots of backstory going on. Um, only thing I will say is, like, the um, the Evil Dead one is a little bit more well-written, but, but it's also because mm. Sean um, – they in the, the Evil Dead one, like they throw you right into the madness. While this one, they're giving you a lot, a lot of backstory, and it helps for, so that you know where Shaun of the Dead truly, truly comes from. And it's really cool that they're digging that deep into the roots of Shaun of the Dead. It's a really, really good fucking read so far. That's amazing. Yeah. Because I have my copy, I have yet to start it because I'm trying to finish up the book I just bought. I bought it four in, in one sitting, so I'm trying to get through the first book, and then the Shaun of the Dead book is going to be the second, and then follow it up with the other two. So I'm, I'm slowly making my way through. I'll hopefully have it uh, ready to go by this weekend to read. But I'm just glad that you like the gift. I, I figured that you would, but <clears throat> glad that you fell asleep with the book for once. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so <clears throat> last year I did a five uh, top five, then I did a, a top five uh, honorable mentions. 
I didn't want to do that this year because there was just a lot of fucking good movies that came out this year in the horror genre. And I was like, I can't just do five, like, uh, honorable mentions and then five good ones. I was like, they're just, it's a top ten. So I'm just going to go down, and then when we get to the first, you know, we'll, we'll see where we're at. But number ten is a movie called We Need to Do Something, directed by Sean King O'Grady. The film follows a family that gets trapped into their bathroom during a hurricane. Next day, after the hurricane has left the area, they find themselves trapped in the bathroom by a tree branch that's jetted the door shut. They can't push it open. They can't pull it open. The windows that are in the bathroom are that glazed type of window that you can't break worth a damn. So they get stuck for days upon days, and they eventually start to unravel. And there is just a lot of fucked up shit that happens by the third act. It's amazing. Um, and, again, I'll link all these on the Talking Terror Facebook page, and I'll show you where to find them. Uh, but we need to do something. It's worth checking out if you just want to see something fucking dark. And I always like it when they show family dynamics and how they break down as quickly as they do when the pressure's on. And they waste no time, and we need to do something doing that. Yeah, but how'd you feel about Hereditary? Didn't like it. They didn't do it the right way. That was just fucking weird. I was too many holes. Too many fucking, wow, my grandmother's this, my grandmother's that. No enjoyable characters. And for me, I've always won, and Hereditary didn't have any. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that was my whole point about Hereditary. It's just no likable characters, and really nothing happens worth anything in that movie. Well, Talking about the, yeah, the fucking the telephone pole is the best character in that movie. Oh, hell well, yes, it, it ends, is. <laughs> it ends the character, which is great. So it definitely ends the character. That's the most annoying one that is allergic to peanuts, but yet eats a peanut fucking cake at a party. Which makes a lot of sense. Um, but, well, I don't think she knew that it was a peanut cake. I'm pretty sure you could smell peanut butter on a cake. You know, oh, it smells like peanut butter. Well, I guess I'll eat it. It's not actual peanuts. I'm sure that was the logic. <laughs> I don't know. That movie is confusing. <clears throat> um, so, number nine, Willie's Wonderland, directed by Kevin Lewis. This is that Nicholas Cage oh, movie yeah. where he doesn't say a word <laughs> and he battles animatronic creatures a la, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. It's just a lot of fun. It's Nicholas Cage getting to do a little bit of Rage Cage action uh, without having to utter a single word. And that's why I just – there was a couple of Nicholas Cage movies that came out this year that I wanted to include on the list, uh, like Pig and uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland. But I just thought that Willie's Wonderland was the best of the horror that he did this year. And I have uh, some Nicholas Cage news in horror news coming up, but that is my number nine. Uh, it's number a really solid my... pick. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. I, you know, I, I recommend it. And again, I'll link all these in the Facebook page and where you can find them. Uh, number eight is My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, directed by Jonathan Cuertas. Uh, this movie is about two mysterious siblings who find themselves at odds over caring for their frail and sickly younger brother who has a strange addiction. Uh, and I picked this movie mainly because of how it treats vampires. And it's a, kind of a newish take on vampires. You know, it kind of sheds new light on, on the vampiric lore and how families get along with each other. And uh, it's truly a, a bizarre thriller, horror, kind of erotic fantasy in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, it, it's great and highly recommend. Uh, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Um, coming in at number seven, Nightmare Alley, 
directed by Guillermo del Toro, which I did get to see last weekend. Oh! And this movie follows an ambitious down as well Carney, played by Bradley Cooper, who has a talent for manipulating people with a few well-chosen words. He hooks up with a female psychiatrist who is even more dangerous than he is and gets him involved in a web of deceit and intrigue. Uh, I did get to see it last weekend, and it was as amazing as I thought it would be, but I could see why it's not going to be for everybody because it does play, take place in the 1940s in New York, you know, and it's, it's just kind of out there, um, but it's definitely a Del Toro film. Um, he knows how to do a period piece well. Um, I still recommend seeing the 47 version of Nightmare Alley, but I think this is a great compendium. And next year, he's going to be re-releasing the film in the theaters in a black and white version. So I'm probably back in the theaters for that as well. Just so you have a good a time watching this one, man. I loved it. Yeah, I, I definitely loved it. And I, after I got out of the theater seeing it, I was like, I got to put it on my list. I was like, I, and I can't wait to get it when it comes home on the home media because it just brings you back to why you like movies so much. You know, it's just a classic tale and twisted characters and a great setting, you know, it's set in the 40s. So it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, because I know this is one that you've been waiting for for a long, long time. And I'm just glad it fucking delivered, man. That's That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I was hoping that it would, and I was hoping that the, the wait would be worth it, and it was. It was, from start to finish. It, it's such a beautifully shot movie, and so incredibly well acted. Like, I admit I'm not the biggest Bradley Cooper fan in the world, but he is great in Memorality. He really I like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <clears throat> I like him in some things. I don't like him in everything. Like, he's, he's hit or miss. Like, I, I like him in Silver... Uh, Silver Playbook, whatever that movie was. That he I, I, uh, you know what? I, both him and J, and Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. Oh God, do I, I love it. that movie so much? Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that movie. Um, I saw it in theaters, and I was like, "This is great." You know, it just hit all the right notes. You know, as far as I was concerned. Um, so coming in at number six is Titan, directed by Julia D. Corneau, who we covered her directorial debut with Raw on the show not that long ago. Uh, in her follow-up to that movie, this film, <clears throat> Titan, follows a woman who, at a very young age, gets involved in a car accident and has a metal plate infused onto her head. She grows up into a young woman who is extremely sheltered and introverted away from people. She models and she does things with cars, but she also kills a lot of people, too because she just has a fetish for that. But she also has fetishes for cars, which she just not only mentally displays, but also physically in a lot of ways. I can totally understand. There is a, <laughs> well, there's, a, there's a pretty detailed uh, sex scene with her in a car that where the car fucks her, and it, it's just wild. So I was like, well, what, you, what, you like, what, wait, 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 wait. So you mean like Tales of Southland that fucks her? Well, the gear shift. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, no, yeah. The car's gear shifts up, uh, you know, fucks her. So then, uh, then uh, you know, some things happen. And uh, I'm not going to ruin it, but, yeah, that's, that's the premise. So go into it with that in mind, and then, and then you'll finish it up and, and see if it really kind of hits. But I just think it's better than Raw. Uh, I thought Raw was good. I just thought Titan is fucking ten times better. Such a bizarre I just thing. love the, I just so, love so the fact we that the monkey brought up the tales of Southland. <laughs> Well, hell yeah, that's an awesome fucking movie, man. 
I fucking love that movie. <laughs> that movie so bad that I, I am with you in it, the camp of like actually oh, liking it. It's awful. so terrible. Dude, I got that for like at fucking Best Buy, uh, not Best Buy, at Blockbuster when they were closing down. They were like selling like a whole bunch of their shit. It was like buy one, get one type of deal. And I was like, oh, okay, this has got the rock in it. Sure, sure, why not? How bad can it be? You know, this is before he was actually doing any good movies. Um, I think at this point he was pretty much just uh, like what, right after Scorpion off King. Scorpion King. So yeah, I, I think like, so. Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> I'll go for it. It sounds kind of weird. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely that and then some. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's hey, see I if you guys I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. <laughs> there you go. Hell, yeah. All right, sorry, King, as you were. All right, where, where were, you, where sure. were you on your uh, top ten? We're moving on to number five, which is Ghostbusters Afterlife, directed by Jason Reitman where the really? daughter and grandkids of Egon Spengler end up inheriting an old house in Somerville. And it turns out that this house has a lot of secrets, including that of the Ghostbusters, who helped save the world back in 1984. But now there seems to be some spectral energy that's rising up in the form of Gozer that could terrorize this town that's unaware of any kind of supernatural entities. So it's back a, it was spoiler. Yeah. It's spoiled in the trailer. If you've seen the trailer, you know. <laughs> that that trailer, like, I was like, oh, they fucking spoiled it already. So I already knew going in we were going to get something. And it, it, had a, it had a better payoff than I expected. Uh, but it just, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, 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 it hits all the right notes for OG fans like myself of the series. Um, it's, I think for the kids it'll hit because it's a lot of fun. And it's also kids getting in on the, the Ghostbusting game. Uh, the only problem I had is that they didn't really mention anything about Ghostbusters 2, which I was like, ah, why, why are we not allowed to talk about the other movies? Like, why is it always retconning where it's like, well, we're going to talk about the first one. But anything after that didn't happen. It's, it's okay, I guess, but like Ghostbusters 2, admittedly, it's not as good as the first one, but they could have mentioned it. What do you want, a Vigo drop? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Give me one. Give me one. It sounds like a dirty sex move. So were you able to pull a Vigo drop on Gady? <laughs> Vigo drop is no doubt, yeah. man. <laughs> Fucking easy. Um, harder to do than a slut drop. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that was number five. Number four, Candyman, directed by Nia DaCosta. Um, that was one of my first returns back to the theater, and it didn't disappoint. The story involves an artist, a young artist by the name of Anthony, who returns to the Cabrini-Green projects in Chicago, which has now been gentrified to find inspiration for a new art piece. But instead, what he finds is more in the line of the Candyman legend itself and how he is involved with it very directly. Um, I thought that Nia... DaCosta, working with Jordan Peele, they brought a lot to the table with paying homage to the original Candyman, but also creating their new kind of story around it and building it and, and making it more relevant, especially in, in the climate that we're in uh, currently, you know, kind of bringing that in there too, but also making a fun slasher. You know, I, I liked what she did with mirrors and what she did with uh, reversing images. It was just a lot of fun. And, uh, 
I knew I was going to like it, but I definitely think that it's worth checking out, especially if you like that first Candyman movie. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. And that's the cool thing about Candyman when you break it down and stuff like that. Is it's a fun urban legend that you can sit there and literally move anywhere all over the world. And, you know, then you take that and sit there and update it and make it relevant to today's times. And I still haven't watched it. I have it downloaded. And, yeah, I am looking forward to checking this one out, man. Yeah, and I think that you'll enjoy it. I mean, I, I, was, I was very pleasantly surprised by, by everything, you know, especially when two and three were so bad in terms of just making it a slasher movie. Um, you know, and that's not what I wanted. I mean, we, we covered part two on the show not that long ago when Candyman 2021 came out, and it just, it's not the first one. You know, it's unfortunately it's it's just not as good, and then part three is almost unwatchable. Yes, <laughs> it's Donald Diarico in Los Angeles, whole new legend, whole new backstory to Candyman. Doesn't make a lot of sense. This one just kind of took it all back to the Green Green where it started, uh, and did a great job. I mean, look, there's a lot of political messages in there, and when I talked about it on the show after I watched it, it's just it's not so much where you're going to be like, all right, already we get it, we get it. It's just being honest about what goes on. You know, Absolutely. And just kind of putting it out there, you know, which needs to, to be told, you know. But uh, anyway, just a, a great film to check out. And again, I'll post the links, uh, you know, later on uh, where you can find these. Uh, so God three damn it, they should be staking to making movies. They don't need to be telling us yeah. no messages. <laughs> yeah, and that's what a lot of people think. It's unfortunate that people put messages in their movies. We just want to watch pictures move. Yeah. Why are people got to keep putting politics in fucking horror movies? It's like, uh, have you ever seen a George Romero movie? Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> we don't watch them movies because they got the black man in the first one. We didn't like that very much. <laughs> them dumb like, sports okay. people need to just, just make millions of dollars and play their sports. Okay? It's not like they need to be <laughs> idols for our children or nothing. <laughs> We just need movies with more of that Kurt Cameron filler. That guy's all about the Jesus, and he makes fun movies about Christmas. I love the Left Behind series. <laughs> oh, that was the best one. Oh, gee, anytime they make a Jesus with God's Not Dead, make 14 of them. I'll watch every single one. Never get old. If God's Not Dead, y'all, praise him. I got them all on movie. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want to watch the damn Candyman movies because we want to watch our God movies. Uh, right, well, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be over here, you know, with our movies. Uh, so number three is The Stylist, directed by Joe Gorgazian. Oh. I fucking so hope I got that right because, I, you know, I actually asked her how to pronounce her last name and she sent me a voice clip on Facebook on how to do Gavor it. So, so let me know if I fucked it up or not. Gorgazian. So let me know if I fucked it up. <laughs> Stop doing it. I already you said you're going to confuse me. I'm over. You, dro- you drilled it into my head Friday night. Because <laughs> I was half drunk and I'm trying to remember it. Because I was like, I don't want to fuck it up. So I got it. But anyway, <laughs> the uh, the movie started as a short. And Jill managed to get it funded to make a complete feature. And it's about a stylist named Claire who has kind of an unhealthy fascination uh, with her clients. Uh, as a reference, I would say mm. think the Joe Spinell movie Maniac meets Lucky McGee's uh, May. So you have a, a woman that's willing to scalp people and then put the scalps on her own head 
and fantasize about lines, <laughs> but also it's <laughs> right? and it's also it's fucking amazing. It, it's so good. Uh, but like I said, and with May, it's just about a lonely girl, and Claire's very lonely. But no, it's just she's scalping women and wearing their scalps and going, oh, I'm so pretty. I'm going to go home to my house and drink coffee, and I'm going to live with my family. And it's like, no, you're sitting in a bathtub, <laughs> and there's a dead body next to you that you just scalped. Like, uh, so, it sounds so, like another night at the monkey's movie. house. Right? <laughs> uh, so. The, the amount of so, ice bags yeah. that we got to use in this fucking place. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. The body's cold. So, <laughs> so, yeah, the stylist is a high recommend. It made the top three because I just was blown. I loved the short when it came out because she put it up for free on her website. But to see it be made into an uh, hour and 44-minute feature, it just added so much more texture to the character of Claire and why she's doing what she does. And it's just... That's what I want a feature that's from a short to be. You know, just take that, that, that level that you had in the short and then just make it into a feature, but expand on yeah. things. Expand on characters, yeah. expand on situations. She did it. And, and I'm going to sit there and jump in here real quick on this one, King, because I literally questioned you about this. Because this versus Terrifier, because I specifically asked you, was it just a short with a bunch of filler in it? And you said no. Right. This specific mo- movie, she sat there and took the time and wrote extra story, expanded the story, you know, and made it a better story instead of like when we did Terrifier where it's just a short and then they sit there and literally just threw another hour of filler in there. It's like she took the time to put her heart into it and write more story on top of this. And I'm sorry, I'm stealing your words from you because I just wanted to be said because, again, I know how you feel about this movie and just putting it out there that, yeah, you know, this is how the king feels about that is this is where a short was truly adapted in a really, really good way into the long form. Yeah. I mean, it, it worked in so many ways. I'm like terrifier, which is just like a best of, you know, that was made. Yeah. Um, and so it, it worked a lot better, better story, better characters, you know, and, and, but there's still a lot of gore and a lot of fun to be had. You know, if you're looking for blood and, and violence, you're definitely going to get it the stylist. Um, but at, coming in at number two, to kind of wrap things up, Last Night in Soho, directed by Edgar Wright. The movie ah. follows an, uh, an expiring fashion designer who is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s, where she encounters a dazzling wannabe singer. However, the glamour is not at all appears to be, and the dreams of the past start to crack and splinter into something far darker. Uh, again, movie I saw in theaters, a uh, movie I fell in love with. I'm a fan of Edgar Wright from the Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, At the World's End. Baby Driver was okay, kind of disappointed me at the end, but yeah. Last Night in Soho didn't disappoint. Last Night in Soho was just, again, like them or Alley, a theater experience. It reminded me why I love movies. Just the setting and how he filmed it and how the actors portrayed the 60s where it felt legitimately like you were in the 60s. It just, it all worked. And, and everybody played their part perfectly. You know, taking it into the present day London was just as good. Um, but, yeah, just, you can't pass up on Last Night in Soho. You know, if you like giallos, if you like thrillers, if you just like suspense movies, it has everything that you're going to be looking for. Dude, it's like, yeah, it's like everything you said, it's like, I'm so excited about it. And, um, 
from the trailers that I saw and stuff like that, like, does he do a, just a great, you know, job of w- just messing with the lens and just transporting you through the movie? Yeah, when when it transfers between the '60s and the and the present day, you can tell there's a difference in the way the film stock is. Like the the '60s that he oh, shows okay. you is is a lot more neon, a lot more bright, a lot more colorful, just like they were back in the swinging '60s. And right. then you take it to present day, and it, it's not as colorful. It's it's a little bit more muted. Um, so he he manages to kind of switch between the two which I really liked, you know, going from the, the bright lights of swinging 60s, 60s to present day. You know, it, it really, he, he, he put a lot of work into it to make it what it was. Cool. That is awesome. So that's why I, I can't wait to check I that. Just, I, <laughs> I can't say enough good things about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't wait for it to come on home video so I could buy it and add it to my collection and watch it as many times as I want. But um, So at number one, we have Sensor directed by Prano Bailey Bond. This film takes place during the 1980s video nasties era in England, and it follows a British film censor who links a disturbing horror movie to her sister's mysterious disappearance years earlier. Uh, it's, it's one of those movies that, when I first heard about it, all I saw was video nasties era. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of on board, because I, I love everything <laughs> about that era. I love how fucked up it was. I loved how just it was just chaos in London over movies. And this movie does a great job of having Niamh Algar play uh, Enid, the main character of the British Censor, having to sit through these fucking horrific movies where eyeballs are getting gouged out, you know, teeth getting knocked out, there's rapes, there's everything like that, and she's just checking notes off a list. No, can't have that, can't have that, can't have that, that's gone. And that's just her job every day until she finds a movie that resembles dreams that she had involving her sister's disappearance. And then she becomes obsessed with it and ends up becoming a video nasty herself. So and that, without spoiling too much, it's just it's oh. fantastically filmed, fantastically uh, acted. Uh, Anika Summerson did the cinematography, and she did a fantastic job of showing you the dreariness of London during that time during the video nasties, uh, they did a lot of the whole thing of going to the video shop and then having to ask for specific titles, knowing that you're going to get what you really want, which is a slasher movie. So it's like, yeah, you know, I'll take uh, Ponies in the Farm, please. And then you get a copy of Jewel Killer. <laughs> That's how they worked back then, underneath the table. Oh, well, oh, oh, so, so, oh, so, so if we can back up a minute. Secret so, so, so it was. I didn't realize this. Hold, hold on. It's like so. It was like a subtle thing, uh, like behind the scenes shit, where you ask for something else, and that's how you would actually get the movies back in the day. Oh yeah. I mean, if you if you knew the right place to go to, and the video store was willing to do it, yeah, you could get comfy with the guy behind the counter, slip him a couple extra pounds, and just say, oh yeah, just give me, give me that, uh, you know, horses on the farm movie, and then he'll go through and he'll look for you know George Killer, and he'll put it into the VHS of horses on the farm, and then you can go home and watch it. Oh, I didn't because realize, like, that that was a whole thing of, like, just to rent it and stuff like that was illegal. Well, yeah, because most shop owners, if they if they were found with the illegal horror movies that were on the video nasties list, they would just have them all taken out and just destroyed. So a lot of these video shop owners started to get kind of smart with it, and they would start hiding them and putting them into different VHS boxes. 
So that way people coming in, you know, especially if they knew you, they could still rent you these movies, but do it under secrecy. So when the police would come through and kind of raid these shops, they weren't going to find them very easily. They would have to really look for them. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I had no idea. That's, that's how it yeah, works. It, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's if the shop wasn't completely raided, because a lot of times the police would just knock down the door and they would just take every tape out. And then they would just sit and watch every movie and go, well, this doesn't seem too good. This doesn't seem too good. And then they would just destroy the tapes. But, yeah, a lot of shop owners became, you know, bootleggers, you know, where they would just keep the horror movies and they would just relabel them something so that the police, when they came in, they wouldn't know that Texas Chainsaw Massacre is behind a copy of Wizard of Oz. They weren't checking for that. You know, they were checking for, you know, the, the hardcore titles. You know, oh, that okay. were on, like, Evil Dead and other movies that were on the Video Nasties list. Wow, so, yeah, they jacked they, up as shit. Yeah, they. I, I watched a few documentaries about the video nasties era in in the England, and a lot of it had to do with that. You know, the kind of speakeasy type video rentals. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If, if you knew the shop, you knew the way. So, it would rent the cool. Day, thank you. you know? <laughs> thank you for the education piece, King. That's awesome. <laughs> the well, more you I'm, know, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> and the more you know, I mean, I'm just obsessed with, with that era. So, you know, I could talk about it for, like, days. <laughs> just about how fucked up it was to try to rent a movie, um, you know, and just try to get away with it as a store owner and not have your uh, you know, store being torn down and your videotapes being removed. You know, and, and how Margaret Thatcher played a lot into it. And, uh, yeah, so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Like Mary Whitehouse was like the, the spearhead of it, and Mary Whitehouse would just go on TV and she would condemn these movies, and the parents would be like, "Yeah, I don't want my kid watching that. Absolutely not." And they would ask her, "Well, have you seen any of the movies on the list?" And she would, "No. Why would I have to? I already know they're evil." <laughs> so she would, she wouldn't watch them. She would just see the title and be like, "You know what? That's off. That's that's on the list. That's on the list. I, I don't need to." We see hired. It. We hire degenerates to watch them films for us and tell us how bad they are. <laughs> but that's yeah, what prison is pretty for. Much what they did. It, that's pretty much what they would do. Yeah, they they would hire uh, film critics and then they would hire people from the film board to sit there. So I mean, even the littlest thing would get you on the video nasty list. You know, if there wasn't enough God in the movie, if there was a stabbing that went on too long, I mean, it's. It didn't matter what it was. It was just the littlest inconvenience to these uh, these uh, censorship boards. It would immediately get on the Wow. Wouldn't matter. We need you more Jesus in our murder movies. <laughs> yeah, only Jesus. Can all, there can only be so many cross on the switchblade movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was my top ten list. Uh, like I said, I'll put it on the Facebook page, talking to our Facebook page, and I'll, I'll link – whatever streaming services currently have them. I know a couple of them are on there right now on Hulu and, and Peacock. Uh, I saw in a couple of places, so you can watch them. Uh, but then I looked at the time and I know that I want to get to some horror news. <clears throat> so the first one I want to talk about, because we talked about him in the top 10, with Boys Wonderland, Nicholas Cage is going to be starring in a movie that debuts on April 22nd, 2022, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, where he's going to be playing himself. What? So the film, the film follows what? a debt-ridden cage 
as he accepts a $1 million offer to attend a wealthy superfan's birthday in Spain, a superfan being played by Pedro Pascal. But things turn sour when he's recruited by the CIA to help execute a mission in which Cage must embody his most iconic on-screen characters to save himself and his family. I think this, this is it, guys. We've reached it. We've reached we Cage. What? This is, what? No, this is thievery, man. That's what this is. Come on. This is what Jean-Claude Van Damme was doing with that TV show that he had on Amazon. Yep. 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 Similar. But now we're just what are you talking about? What are you talking about? What, what show? Jean-Claude Van Damme had a series on Amazon. It only lasted for one season in which, in which he's playing Jean-Claude Van Damme, except Jean-Claude Van Damme is actually just a spy. And, like, all of his movie roles and everything were, like, were, were roles that he had to take so that he could undergo these, these things that he was doing for the government and shit like that. What? It's hysterical and it should totally have gotten another season, but it didn't because nobody was watching Amazon yet. <laughs> Holy um, shit. I, did, I had no idea this even existed. <laughs> no, but I think I it was Jean-Claude Jean Van Johnson, yeah. I think it was called. Yes, that's what it was called. Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Johnson. Um, <clears throat> the only difference between that and, and this one where you could say that it's not quite thievery is the fact that he doesn't know anything about this. He's just an actor who tried to buy a pyramid and he has no money. So he gets invited mm -hmm. to this million dollar party. And then the CAA comes along and they're like, yo, we need you. And we need you to do this real quick. And he's like, well, I don't really want to. And they're like, well, you have to. And he's like, well, if I have to, I will, but only if I get to be every character I ever portrayed. And they're like, fine, that's cool. So it's, it's <laughs> maximum cage. Like, you know, Holy we've reached fuck. that level. It's, now. And it's, we, we have like, re yeah, it's like, oh, holy shit. It's like, <laughs> like the monkey's overloaded. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> max, we are, yeah, it's like maximum cageness. It's that, that's what it is. It's maximum cageness. <laughs> yeah, like there's just no going back from it. Like, you know, it's just that you, after this movie, then you're not going to be able to go back. It's like, well, where did he go from here? He's playing himself. So you're going to see Rage Cage at some point, I'm sure. You know, but it's going to be Ultimate Rage Cage. He's going to be playing all the characters that he ever played. Nicholas Cage. Eventually, what's going to happen is he's going he's yeah. to play a movie in which he plays every single role in the film. So, you know, you'll have a cast of, like, one, except, except he's going to play fucking, you know, 17 separate characters. And just oh, all, my all God. Up. Oh, oh, cool. I need some gummies for this one, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Coming to Netflix in 2023, all caged up. It's the all Nicholas Cage sitcom series where he plays the mother, the father, the, the, the son, the daughter. He plays his boss. He plays his neighbors. All cage, all the time. Watch Nicholas Cage have a sex scene with himself. Nicholas Cage. on Netflix, so I can get away with it. Nicholas Cage, uncaged. On Netflix. Oh, yeah. I am going to oh, fuck Nicholas, myself. Oh, Nicholas, I don't want you to do that to me. <laughs> Gould got it right. <laughs> Don't, I, would, I would just watch that series. Take my money. I don't care who does it. I'll crowdfund it. I'll get it going. 
just that you know, just have a sex scene between Nicholas Cage and Nicholas Cage. They're both laying with each other, smoking cigarettes. Was that as good for you? Was for me? It was the best, Nicholas. The most satisfying love I've ever had. You too. You're so generous. I know. And what would I do without you? I don't know. He, you know she took it. Oh, my man. hand. She took my hand. <laughs> it's like looking in the mirror, but not. Cause I'm no, not. but then he, no, but then he totally got to tap that sexy where he was the demon coming back from hell. <laughs> oh, that's true too. <laughs> yeah. That so, was like the best that, fucking rage cage sex scene. <laughs> it was the best. The one, yeah. So, the one, uh, one where he was getting in the in the gunfight while he was fucking the whore in the bar. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Yes, exactly. Yes. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that was just him being him, and it just—it's so great when they just let Nick Cage be Nick Cage. You know, they don't bottle him up too much. They don't give him movies like The Family Man with uh, Taylor Leone. And I say, no, no, not not this Cage. No, 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 no. And and then the fact that they fucking had Tom Atkins in it as well. I was like, oh my god, this movie cannot get yeah, any better. I, I, yeah, this movie can't get any more perfect. You have two hammy-ass actors in one movie. Like, All right, I'm in it. Um, so we'll see what we think about that movie when it comes out in April. I'll know I'll definitely be going to see it. Um, but something that the the dean himself brought up to us just earlier this week is that while Cobra Kai Season 4 is going to be debuting on New Year's Day, currently Season 5 of Cobra Kai has officially wrapped, uh, being announced by John Hurwitz, the showrunner and co-creator, uh, and they are saying that this show might continue past season five while season six is not a lock yet. So I just think it's incredible that they filmed an entire season and they're wrapped and season four hasn't even debuted yet. Uh, yeah, dude, I, I'm, I'm just awesome. They're going full steam ahead. You know, they actually have this kind of green light going because again, we're all fucking loving the show. <laughs> I know we are, you know, so say what you want. We're all fucking loving this show. And yeah, I, Excited. It's like, you know, again, it's like, just let it keep rolling, you know. But we had no more Karate Kids to base it off of. I just hope they don't go into next Karate Kid territory. I'm really hoping they don't go there next season. Well, I think what I mean, makes sense yeah. here, you know, uh, is, is with them doing four and five. I mean, basically, for all intents and purposes, they just they film these back to back. Um which is great, very much similar to how Peter Jackson did the Lord of the Rings movies and shit like that. The great yeah, thing yeah. about doing that means is that you can have, you know, you don't have to worry about actors fucking renegotiating contracts, getting into car accidents, looking different between fucking seasons and stuff like that. So if four and five mm-hmm. work in that kind of continuity, even though it's wrapped, you know we're not going to see season five until next New Year. Um, so we're going to have a year in between this season and that season. Um, but what I think what we're going to probably do is if, you know, the show continues to, to generate the, the popularity that it has been generating, then yeah, Netflix is going to extend it again. But at that point, we may be looking at some new cast members and yeah, we may look at going into next karate kid territory. Hell, they might even try to marry in the Jaden Smith one. You know what I mean? That there's any number of directions they can go 
once they end whatever this story arc is going to be. So, you know, if yeah, I know they have ideas for what they want to do for future seasons. I have a feeling that the original story arc was probably running its course by the end of season five. Dude, but <laughs> they still they bring in the James Bond one. It's like Jackie Chan shows up and they're like, "Who the fuck are you?" He's like, "I'm Mister Miyagi." He's like, "There's a fuck you weren't." <laughs> he could have been me, no, uh, no, another Miyagi. Yeah. He could be, you know, yeah, it could have been, yeah. I mean, what they really need to do if they're going to end season four, right? They need to have Mikey Barnes show up and just punch the fuck out of Daniel Russo. And you end it with Danny sitting on a table at his house, just eating macaroni and cheese and sobbing. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and Mikey Barnes is standing outside yeah, well, going, number one, number one, try to no, cheat. Well, Mikey, <laughs> no, Mikey Barnes is now upstairs in Daniel's house boning his wife. You know what I mean? Since Daniel's <laughs> yeah. busy running around, running around with Johnny all the time. Meanwhile, Johnny's just got his big tape going. Johnny's got his big tape going, going, why are you beating such a bitch? What? Come on, go up there and beat that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's I how you do it. He gets John, punched I by Mikey. I want to see Johnny versus Mikey. Mike Barnes. That's what I want to say. I would love it. And it would be great because that way Johnny Lawrence could defend Danny's honor. He's like, go ahead and eat your macaroni and cheese, buddy. I'll defend you. <laughs> and then they just go out and I have a big fight. Your honor. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, buddy. You got it. <laughs> Just enjoy that macaroni and cheese, all right? You're so cool. That's, I think that would be a great way to just end season four. <laughs> Mikey Barnes showing up, punching Danny, fucking his wife, and then getting into a fight with Johnny Lawrence. There's so much happened in that season finale. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, I'm really whirlwind. bloated. I hope they bring everybody back. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a what it's been a season four, everything happened at once. Everything just kinda of collided <laughs> in that final episode. There was macaroni and cheese and Mickey Barnes and fighting and Danny crying for like a half hour. Like it's amazing. Then and his wife wouldn't be upset about it in, one way, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so as we know, uh, Scream, the new Scream, is going to be dropping on January 14th of 2022, but there's going to be some select theaters that are going to be offering the 4DX experience, which as we've talked oh. about on the show before, it's that all interactive experience where your chairs move and vibrate, uh, they, you can hear sound effects and, and uh, smell things and feel the breeze during certain scenes, but really, the breeze. they did this in 1997 with Scream 2. Did we forget about Stabovision? And did we see how well that fucking worked out in that movie? Two people died during Stabovision. So maybe we shouldn't do 4DX, because that's how people get killed. If Scream 2 taught us. What, it, so. what are you doing about Stabovision? What, what's this? Oh, you don't remember Scream 2. <laughs> I, I was making a joke. But no, it's a, from Scream 2, the opening of the movie takes place <laughs> during the race of Stab. So Stab is the movie that takes place during the Scream universe. Two college students go to see Stab, which is presented in Stabovision, and they end up being killed by Ghostface within the first five minutes of the movie. So Stab is trying the, to be uh, universe, maybe some people get some people don't. Uh, okay. Yeah. So Sorry. yeah. So there you go. <laughs> I just you know I was trying to make a funny and it didn't quite work. I apologize. That, 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 I thought it was hysterical. <laughs> Thank you. 
<laughs> and also, <laughs> uh, I wanted to. I could hear, I could hear that, and I appreciate it. Uh, but to, to end the things <laughs> on stream, aside from the release in January, uh, it's going to be called Scream the True Story on Discovery Plus. It's going to be a docu special. It's going to be airing starting on January 14, 2022. The series is going to detail the inspiration behind the movie Scream, the crimes of the game Ripper, Danny Rollins. What? Hey, a what? donkey special? <laughs> docu special. But anyway, oh. it's going to be about Danny Rowling, the killer, who in 1989 claimed five lives in Shreveport, Louisiana, and then a couple more in Gainesville, Florida, these college students, where he would stage their bodies in weird bloody tableaus. And once he was captured, he claimed that a demon told him to kill. And he was eventually executed by the state in 2016. So the docuseries is going to detail everything about Danny Rowling and his vicious psychopathic ways and how he inspired Kevin Williamson to write Scream. It's not that very interesting as a story. He just watched a special on him and said, oh, I can make a horror movie from that. And did it. There's no big. Danny Rowling never wore a mask. He never really did anything other than just kill a bunch of people. But you know what? Hey, we got Scream because of that. I'm happy. So, so if you're interested in true crime like I am, you know, it's, it's going to be worth your chance. Check out January 14th. Um, so that's going to be it for horror news for tonight, because I do want to get into the movie. Uh, and as it is my film pick to end 2021, To All a Good Night from 1980, directed by David Hess. The film was about beautiful prep school students who face a yuletide horror when a killer just like Santa arrives on campus. Um, this movie was actually one that I saw only a couple years ago. Uh, I actually was reading through a book about slashers, and it mentioned this during their holiday uh, horrors chapter. And what really turned me on to it was because it was directed by David Hess. And I loved him in a lot of his 70s and 80s films because he always played the brute. He was mostly known for Krug in Last House on the Left. Then he also played uh, in Last House at the Edge of the Park, where he played a similar character who was a rapist, a killer. But whenever you saw him on screen, he, just, he looked like he wasn't an actor. He looked like he literally was a rapist and a killer. Like there wasn't any kind of actor coming off of him. Uh, other than just he could, you know, read lines and, and do what he was told as far as the movie was concerned. So did I think he could direct? Well, no, I had no idea until I watched it. And I said, this is actually a movie that I could see, uh, you know, him directing. Uh, just because it, it, it's kind of dirty, it's bloody, it has a lot going on for it in terms of that. And it also features Harry Reams, who was a 70s porn star icon. And he only has what? a little role. He plays a pilot. Yeah, so, yeah. Harry Reams, the, the uh, incredible porn star talent in the 70s, plays a very bit part as a pilot in this movie. <laughs> as damn and I was like, that's right. fucking cool. I was like, dude, oh, this guy, yeah. fucking, he, like, he, he was at the forefront of porn. And then here he is in 1980, just kind of playing a pilot, just shows up, has a couple lines. Um, <laughs> like that was, Deep Throat, The Devil and Miss Jones. I mean, he yeah. was in some, mm-hmm. big, some big X-rated films back in the day. I, uh, a ton. I, I do I mean, he was, he was Harry, right up there I with John Harry Reams. So, yeah, yep. a, a great, the late, great Harry Reams. Uh, so that's my thoughts on it. I, I'm a big fan of this movie just because it, it's one of those movies where it was in 1980, so it was kind of in the middle of the golden era. From 78 to 82, that's the golden era of slashers. This actually came out a few months before Friday the 13th, 
Friday the 13th came out in May of 1980. This one came out in January of 1980. And it's kind of cool to see how people would think this movie took from Friday the 13th when it came out before it, actually. Uh, so that's something interesting to talk about towards the end. Um, I think it takes more from Black Christmas than anything else, but at the same time, it's kind of doing its own thing. Um, and I just had fun with it. It's a movie that you could just put on and just relax to. It doesn't require a lot of thinking to get through this plot. But, uh, Ghoul, what'd you think about To All Good Night? Yeah, listen, man, you know, there's, there's a lot of times, you know, King, you know, I love you. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we've been friends for, for, for many years. We have very, we have very mm-hmm. different tastes when it comes to, to films. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and we, we have things that we do share, and we have things that we are just completely, complete opposites on. Um, and, again, yeah. like I said, that, that's, that's part of the reason why I love you, the differences that, that make us who we are as, as people. Um, so a lot of times when, when you throw out one of your films, you know, a lot, my first reaction sometimes is kind of like, oh, great, here we go. We're going back to this era. Or, oh, Awesome, we're gonna watch this fucking movie, which you know I've, you know, if I've never heard of, never seen, never whatever. And a, a lot of times, man, I turn around and I'm like, wow, you know what? It really wasn't all that bad. The cool girl, on the other hand, man, she hates your picks. She's always like, great, Andy made the pick. I ain't fucking watching the movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> you got a fan, you got, you got a fan for life on that end. Um, so, so all of that in a big, in a big, big long circle for you. Uh, I was actually fully 100% pleasantly surprised by how entertaining this movie is. Now, it is a very, by the numbers, if you were to sit down and write like, hey, what is a basic slasher movie from the 1980s? That is this movie. Um, You know, some of the special effects were lacking. Uh, I know you brought up Friday the 13th. Like, they obviously, Tom Savini was above and beyond what these people were capable of doing. Um, but besides that, you know what? There was plenty of eye candy. Uh, it, it was a, a fun little story. And, and yeah, I, I had a grand old time watching it. Oh, great. Hey, that makes me happy. Get that last pick of 2021 and you're happy with it. That's good. All right. Monkey, what do you think about the wall? Good night. Uh, yeah, this one is like it was one of those movies where it's like again I was having fun watching it. Um, this movie is like definitely giallo inspired, uh, you know, from the get go. It's like you know where it's a they are trying to do a really good job of who done it kind of thing. You know, they start they literally start off with gloves. You know, <laughs> so so you know they're not being shy about that. Oh, on top of that. Well, lots and lots of ADR going on in the movie because there's tons of shit going on where, you know, people are saying shit, but people aren't saying shit, you know, when you watch your fucking mouth. Um, and, you know, we have fucking ninja Santas, but you're going around all over the fucking place because they are fucking everywhere throughout the entire movie. You know, you're able to fucking transport all over the place like fucking Naruto, just, you know, in the ninja bomb, and all of a sudden they're in a fucking plane, you know. <laughs> um, and one of the things I had was with the fucking score, because it just had this really, really bad Scooby-Doo, like, music that would pop up randomly and the most inopportune times, you know, and it was like mm-hmm. this weird ass, at his, almost at his family, Scooby-Doo kind of music 
that was popping up and ru- ruining certain scenes where it's like, you know, this would be a really, really fucking creepy scene, and you're coming in with this, you know, wonky-ass, astronomy kind of sound that just didn't fucking belong in these fucking scenes, and it took you out of the moment. Um, but that being said, it's like we had a really cool Santa twist going on. I was thinking it was going to be something else with Santa twist. Um, but yeah, at, at the same time, it's like, you know, like the cool said, varied by the numbers, but still very, very fun. Um, but at the same time, I like, I just wish they had like pushed this one a little bit more, but at the same time, it was still fun. And at the same time, <laughs> showing us lots of TNA, lots of fun. And then, you know, the one she really, really want to see, you know, all her shit. Don't she doesn't fucking seen. go once. Yeah. Man. And, that's I, the, and yeah. This, is the only movie, this is the only movie she was in. Dude, I went searching all over the internet. I freaking somewhere you'd see those fucking bad boys. But, yeah. no. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, when the, yeah. When the Gen Teal. Only, only movie she ever yeah. did. Mm-hmm. And then she did an episode yeah. of uh, It's Pat Sajak Show. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I was like, okay, she's got to be somewhere in this movie because she's got like the freshest tits in this entire thing, and you're denying no. that shit. And the most we get is a side boob. Oh, you bitch, you tease, I, you. Oh God, damn. At least like a Playboy playmate. I figured something, right. you know what I mean? But nah, nothing, nothing at all, man. She like vanished. <laughs> yeah, like you. If but, you look up most of the cast of this movie, they've only been in this and like nothing else after. And I was like, they all look like they were just off a porn set. Like, they all just popped in after a day of filming porn with, with you know, with uh, with Harry Reem. And like, okay, we're going to make this movie now. <laughs> all right. Uh, no, no, because we, no, we at least would have gotten porn credits. Something. No, that's the thing is we got nothing off of this goddamn thing. No. But, yeah, but seriously, it's like, King, it was a fun pick. It really was. Um, and it was like straight up one of those, you know, one of the – uh, those things of, you know, especially I, it fit right into that genre of, like, middle school girls learning horror and discovering the wonder of horror and being like, let's pick this one because it's, you know, weird and kooky and it's, you know, got some sex going on. You know, let's watch it. He, 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 he. You know, it fell right in with that kind of niche, if you will. You know, and it's just a fun, fun pick. It really is. It, you know, did you spend a lot of time with middle and school yeah. girls? <laughs> when I was in middle school, fuck yes, I, I did. <laughs> that's, how I watched fucking, that's how I watched Hellraiser for the first time. Thank you very much. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, and, and it definitely it reminded me a lot of House in Sorority Row, uh, especially with, with the whole plot of the, the girls staying behind and wanting to throw a party. Uh, but we'll get into mm-hmm. it. Uh, the movie opens with this weird kind of almost you're going too far prank on this one yeah. student at the school uh, where there's a bunch of girls chasing after her. One's carrying an axe for some reason, and they're chasing her throughout <laughs> this house. And <laughs> wondering that <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what they were planning on doing with it, but, you know, they, we have her being chased through the house, and then we get to the balcony where she falls off the balcony, and then a dummy lands on the ground. And it's like, oh, well, I mean, is that really far off the ground? It seemed like it was a very short fall. Like, you could probably survive that. But, you know, they wanted to make it seem like it was definitely a lot farther than it actually was. Yeah, That's the a hard 15 so feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. 
But then they're like, oh, no, she's dead. And then you cut to two years later, and we're at the same school, the Calvin Finishing School for Girls, where it's Christmas break once again, and most of the girls are leaving, except for Nancy, Melody, Leah, Trisha, Sam, and Cynthia, along with their house mother, Mrs. Jensen. So they're all going to stay behind and just kind of kick it at the school. They obviously have plans for a party that they're going to have. Uh, meanwhile, we see an unknown person putting on a pair of gloves, grabbing a knife, and crossing out names on a list while looking at a picture of the girl that died. So it's okay. Well, we're off to the races. We already have the killer in yep. the house. We already have only yeah. a couple students <laughs> left behind. So we, we're not wasting any time. Thank you, David Hess, that you're not going to fucking yeah. make us wait 30 minutes for something fucking cool to happen. <laughs> You're just like a porno. You're making it happen. So, yeah, did, did, um, did he waste no fucking time on this one? It's like, here's the plot. No. We're getting to it. <laughs> Not at all. So we have Mrs. Jensen serving the girls all their, their food for the evening, which is beef stew and also cherry pie, which are very excited oh. to eat. And the girls are jo- joking around and talking. They also find out that Mrs. Calvin, who is like the headmistress of the school, she has to go away for the weekend to take care of an ailing family member. This is even better because now Mrs. Calvin's out of the way and Miss Jensen's in charge. We'll just drug her milk to knock her out for 10 to 15 hours. So that way the boys and TJ can come over and party. Like, you know, it's like, On wow, their right, fucking private plane because apparently these bitches are rich and so are their boyfriends. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fucking high rule it in. It's a the, finishing school. You know what I mean? This is a school for wealthy <laughs> people. Uh, everybody that they know are going to be wealthy people. They're all socialized. Um, yeah, you know, this. Uh, that, I, again, I find the cast to be at least somewhat likable, even though they are supposed to be all hoity-toities. Um, the, the girls yeah. seem fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, you know, yeah, you're getting a very playful, uh, playful atmosphere going on between them all. Uh, I do wish yeah. I could have. I don't know. I wish I could have done a little bit better of a job at disguising who our killer is going to be. Um, I feel yeah. like that, oh god, yes. It's like the one thing that it was just like screaming the entire film. Well, yes, absolutely. Plus, you see in one of the rooms that Mrs. Jensen's mm-hmm. in. There's a picture of that girl that died, and you're like, oh, okay. So this is where we're going. <laughs> All right, yeah. that's perfect. So <laughs> now, you know, we know, um, but. The other, the main character of, of, of the story that's played by uh, Jennifer Runyon, who you might know as the girl that Bill Murray tried to seduce at the beginning of Ghostbusters, and also yes. was uh, Charles' boyfriend, Charles. She's Charles. psychic. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, she, plays Nancy, she plays Nancy in this movie, and, and she just exudes Final Girl when you meet her in this movie. She's very quiet, yeah. but she's very sweet. You know, she's not much into drinking. She doesn't mm. smoke pot. She, you know, could be a virgin for all you know. Uh, but she's not like the other girls. The other girls are like, I want to show my tits and party. She's like, I don't know. Woo! Like, Woo! just go to bed at a reasonable yeah. hour? Like, you know, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, but, we, uh, but then we have, our new, yeah, we have our New England jocks come in on their plane. And we sit there and talked about this last week. This so one of these roles. Like and we talked about it last week, should have been fucking James Spader, okay? You guys are a nail New England douchebag, all right? That's what yeah. it's, seriously one of these should have been James Spader, okay? 
I mean, because they come rolling, they come rolling in on their fucking plane. All right, and then you know, are they you know cracking crystal or nothing, anything like that? No, they're fucking cracking PBRs. I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> yeah, no. I, that, those are PBR pool tabs. Are you fucking yep. kidding me? The money you got, what you like fucking have, where you gonna sit there and afford a plane, a pilot, and you're gonna sit there cracking PBR pool tabs? Oh, you fucking cheap sons of bitches! <laughs> Yeah, not even like Miller High. Now listen. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a matter of okay? Plane fuel wasn't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, TJ, uh, he could have been played by James Fader. I thought the actor that played him was actually pretty good. He reminded me if, like, Robert Zadar and Bruce Campbell had a love child, this would be the result. Oh, man, dude. that guy had a fucking hell of a <laughs> chin. God, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, he yes. did. Yes. <laughs> he just had that hair and he had that chin. I was like, yeah, Robert Zadar and Bruce Campbell were able to have a kid together. This would be the result, and he'd be an actor. Uh, and he's going to be in until all good night. Um, so, yes, TJ and the boys are arriving by plane. But before that, we also get mention of another sister that's in the house, Cynthia, who's in her bedroom being called to down below by her boyfriend, Paul. And she immediately strips off her nightgown, just posing fully nude in the moonlight. And Paul really doesn't notice this. He just really wants her to come down so they could go run out and do sexy things as sexy teens do. Uh, oh, my. But before Cynthia could come downstairs, Paul is stabbed to death by the killer. And when Cynthia comes outside, she is also stabbed in the chest by the killer. So now we already <laughs> have two deaths, and we're not even, like, 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, it's Again, like body, body, awesome. body count is dwindling down super fucking fast in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, was, I was kind of worried about that, too. It seemed like, like the deaths were happening real quick, and it was like, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, is, is this how it's going to go? But then I figured, all right, we're going to get like a major slowdown period. Uh, thankfully, we don't get so much of a slowdown as much as we get the next day type of deal. So that, yeah. that I mm-hmm. thought, was, uh, was a nice way to do it. Yeah, I thought it worked really well. Um, Nancy, again, being the final girl, thinks that she saw something outside. The other girls tell her to shut up. You know, it's all cool. He didn't see anything. Then you get introduced to the groundskeeper, Ralph, uh, who is the albino <laughs> that you didn't know you wanted, but the albino that you got, uh, and he's just walking around and telling uh, – telling everybody that uh, they're going to die and that uh, he's got to protect Nancy, that there's evil and there's a devil in the house and he'll protect her, uh, doing everything he can to do it, which, again, reminded me a lot of Mr. Yeah. <laughs> reminded me a lot of, of Mr. Sykes from uh, Prom Night, you know, that came out the same year as this mm-hmm. one, where you think that Mr. Sykes could be the killer because he's weird and just unsettling, but no, he actually isn't. You know, so that's the way I thought about with Ralph. Like, there's just something unsettling about him, but there's something too unsettling about him. And maybe if it wasn't, like, maybe in 1980, if, you know, non-jaded, like, Keith, who hasn't seen a bunch of slasher-style horror movies, maybe I would think that that guy's the killer, because it just seems so obvious. But because of all the films that we've seen at this point, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. my, our, our immediate, like me and, bon, me and Bonnie both looked at each other and were like, well, we know he's not the fucking killer. You know, he's going to turn up dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, because there's just no, yeah. way. no way. Too obvious. 
Yeah, there's no way that he could yeah. be it. It just, but again, like I said, 1980, they probably weren't expecting that, so everybody's a killer. Just like Scream, everybody's a suspect. Uh, but ah. why isn't Tina Ranzoni a suspect? They introduced this character for no fucking reason, but I liked it. The fact that this old Italian woman comes into the house and she brings cannoli for Mrs. Jensen, and she's like, oh, yeah, life sucks. I've had three husbands that died. It just gets easier after the third one. Anyway. That's cool. She's probably related to somebody. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, she's, have, me, me, meanwhile she's like raid the kitchen. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's stealing shit. Total Italian. She's stealing shit left and right the whole nine. I, you know, like, it's, it's funny. Like, halfway through the movie, specifically after meeting the cops, um, you know, like, I, I, I kind of said to, to the cool girl, I'm like, you know, this has all the fucking feelings and makings of a movie that was, like, funded with, like, some mob money. You know, like, you, you have all <laughs> yep. of this stuff yep. that's, like, all these, like, this finishing school thing and all these, like, Anglo, like, these waspy people. But then you have the cops come rolling in, and they're like, oh, hey, motherfuckers, let's go, you know? Like, oh, I, I saw that girl over there. She looked like she got some nice trim. You know, you got Mrs. Randoni here who, like... You know, she comes out of nowhere, and she's like, oh, oh, you got no bread. I've got no food. You need to be doing a better with your life, mama mia. You know, like that, that whole fucking spiel. Um, so that's just kind of where I was figuring this character's coming from. I'm thinking she's related to somebody either in the cast or crew. Oh, I just, yeah, I love the cops, especially Disco Dan, the cop that looks like Jackie Mason with the gold chains and the afro. Like, yeah, I'll protect you. I'll do whatever I have to do, you know, because, like, the killer could be far away from here. Maybe not. Hey, yeah, I wanted you to show me to your bedroom, huh? Like, yeah, I was like, that. Dude, I fucking love this character. Yeah. And it's like, so, if so you, the problem with you know, this his, guy. If he, if he walks him up and she's like, you know, if you need anything, holler. And he's like, holler. And it's like, what, did that gap tooth motherfucker after you just fucking fucked that ivy rich kid? And he's like, you're going to jump all over that fucking head, you know, Italian hired dick right there? I I, I love what a whore she is that she's like, you know, just jumping on fucking, I mean, she was banging TJ earlier, now she's banging this dude. But, like, out of, like, I really wish they would have went with the other actor, okay? Because it's not even just that, like, Mm -hmm. because of his demeanor and his behavior that, like, you know, you you kind of find it un, unbelievable that he would be banging this college girl. But also, you can see that the guy is totally 100% not heterosexual. You know what I mean? Like, come on, man. Like, that guy is, is not straight. Like, they should have had him fuck Paul or, or one of the other guys. They could have given us, like, a, a surprise, like, bed moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so now with Mrs. Jensen uh, drugged with the milk, we have TJ, Alex, Tom, and Blake arriving by plane. And uh, I don't know why David has had such a hard time with day to night, night to day, because it's clearly supposed to be nighttime <laughs> when they arrive. But when they're going back to the oh, school, geez. it's clearly fucking middle of the day. And Ralph's like, take this flashlight, you'll need it. I was like, why? It's the middle of the fucking day. Oh, you get man. The daylight the, and the sun. And the, the sun the, coming the, on her face <laughs> at the time. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and those, you know, the, that that was a huge problem I had. Is like, just because you put blue filters over the film, you're not going to convince us this night. I'm sorry, man, because like the cool said, no. there's shadows all over top of everything. And just because you're using it blue filters, you're not going to convince us this night. No matter how many times you sit there and reference that there's a full moon going on. Okay, yeah, we get it. There's a full mm. fucking moon. All right. Yes, yeah, you're still not convincing me these shots are in the middle of the fucking night. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe they were trying to tell us this was a werewolf movie. I... Ooh, that could be a plot twist. Uh, but once the boys are <laughs> at the school and one of them is entertaining the girls with a really fucking bad acoustic performance, as you do oh, while God. drinking beers. You know, uh, I know how to play chords. <laughs> yeah. I can play. He's going to play Wonderwall. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because uh, that's the worst when somebody shows up at a party with an acoustic guitar because you just know what's going to happen. Then that's when you oh, got to Oh, jeez. <laughs> I have many good um, memories of acoustic guitar performances at friends' houses. Yeah, oh, jeez. No, no. Dusty, I don't I go any, fucking so. <laughs> No, yeah, same here. It's like, let's you know, go full Jim Belushi and just smash that fucking shit against the stairs and be like, yeah. fuck you. <laughs> so Trisha, uh, during this time, decides that she's going to go to the kitchen, get some more PBR pull tabs. But while she's there, the killer, dressed as Santa, comes through and slices her throat open. So, and a pretty cool effect for 1980, but yeah, it's just the fact that she's down while Nancy's wandering around the house being confronted by Ralph saying, it's evil here, the devil's here. And she's like, all right, Ralph, go to bed now. I'm going to go back to my shack. <laughs> But I'm here if you need me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Did, did anyone yeah. else notice during this scene when he sitting there and was kneeling down that his crotch was ripped open? Yep. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was full yeah, blown his, open. Yeah. yeah. Every every time he sat there and knelt down by her, his crotch was ripped open. And I was like, dude, I can totally see your shit right there, man. <laughs> oh fuck. No. If I, I was like, dude, you know. <laughs> Wardrobe, fix that shit and reshoot the scene. But nope, they're like, no, we're going to keep going. Fuck it. Don't no, worry about it. Let it, go. Let, let it go. No. <laughs> well, remember, he was saying that he liked her. Maybe the idea is that, you know, he yeah. is fucking J.O. into her, like, out the window and shit like that. It's just, you know, <laughs> he, he doesn't take it to the next step and, like, straight up rape her. You know, he doesn't go full fucking Lenny on her. No, that's why he has to jerk off before seeing her. That's why he always looks exhausted. Because he just had a J.O. match. And he's like, oh, there she goes. I'm going to talk to her now so I don't rape her to death. Like, I just J.O., oh, so I'm good. Don't <laughs> you know? that shit. He's got to wear himself out. <laughs> um, but the Trisha's date, Tom, goes in search of her. And he eventually finds her body stuffed into something. It looks like a big fucking toy train. I couldn't figure out what the fuck it was. Yeah. I was like, is that a, a grill? Or is that just a big-ass yeah, toy yeah. train for, like, Christmas? No, dude. That was I an know. I think gr- it was, that, like, a that, place that, that, was, that, that, was an outdoor, that was an outdoor grill. There was a uh, big-ass grill slash smoker that was stoned in oh. to the mm. deck. Okay. See, I, I Google thought the same way I did, that it was a big toy train. But, uh, no, it was a, a grill. But her body stuffed into it. Uh, and once oh, yeah. Tom discovers this, the killer comes back out and then clobbers him to death with a big rock a la Star Trek and just bashes <laughs> him once in the head and he's dead. And he, yeah. 
But the thing about this killer <laughs> is that he, the killer is efficient. He takes the bodies and he buries them in the garden. So rather than mm-hmm. that be led to a discovery of bodies, this killer just fucking gives them a burial. Kind of nice. <laughs> you know, this killer isn't about uh, Ted Lowe's. This killer is just about killing and, and dealing. Like, you know, I got the bodies. You know, now I'm going to bury them. And then maybe I'll do something playful with the head later. We don't know. But for right now, I'm just burying them. <laughs> yeah, but either way, that's a lot of fucking work, man. Like every one year, sit there and give a fucking service to, it, and then do do a you know Bruce Campbell you know stab a cross into the ground thing. It's like that's a lot of goddamn work because we're starting to pile up on the bodies, man. By now we're like <laughs> you know four fucking uh, four fucking graves what? in. <laughs> Somebody's having to do a lot of fucking digging. <laughs> yeah. I love um, what he. I like but, when the hand's sticking out and he just kicks it and you hear that ringing <laughs> sound. <laughs> that was good stuff. Yeah, nice little touch. Oh, uh, it was great. <clears throat> um, but we have Melody who decides that she wants to seduce the the nerdy Alex, who's very nervous oh, and uncomfortable and just wants to spout out science facts. Oh, so she's like, you know what? He's a nerd. He's a geek. I'm going to take him to my room and we'll see what happens there. Uh, Sam and Blake I love decide the to fool around. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sam and Blake decide to fool around a little bit, and they get involved in some Christmas sex, while Nancy once yeah. again just wanders around the fucking house. Can you just uh, go up this point and lay down? Long, like, yeah. The longest fucking glass of milk ever. It's like, yeah, she's not she's walking like, around. She's walking around, peeping through the window, watching people fuck. She's like, she's walking into the room where Leah and the other dude are going at it. And then, like, you know, like, she, she was walking into that room, and then Leah's, like, walks into it. She's like, oh, I was getting some milk. And then they both walk out of the door. I'd be like, if you go to get milk, what the fuck are you doing in my room? Like, it, it made no sense. <laughs> no. Yeah, she was just weird and creepy, and it's just it was like that's fine, because it, like the girl just said, once she gets this endless glass of milk, she hears Sam moaning. So where's that moaning come from? That's weird. And then she sees them fucking in typical 1980s softcore porn fashion, where the guy's just kind of laying on top of the girl and kissing her a lot, um, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't need to sit and watch. But she watches long enough but she, so that but she, does, she can man. go to bed and she's take like, care she's of herself. She's a flicker she bean, dude. There and put, she, yeah, dude, she pulls up a chair. She flicks her bean like the coolest hand, man. She, just, she doesn't fucking walk away, man. She she stays right there <laughs> while they're getting it on, you know, on the bearskin rug, like Morris Day in the motherfucking time. Yeah! Nice. <laughs> yeah. But then it... it she decides that she's going to go up to her room and flip the bean, like the ghoul said, which I'm sure she's going to do. <laughs> but after she leaves, we see that a suit of armor in the room has taken shape and has gained sentience uh-huh. and decides to use a crossbow to shoot into Blake's mouth before taking yeah. the axe and cutting off Sam's head. It was a yeah, super kill, and I was here for it. Because it's poppy from last week. It's Poppy from last week's movie. That's what happened, man. He got tired of fucking watching this shit. And he was like, Poppy? fuck this shit. I, I need a fucking insulin shot. These motherfuckers are taking too long, so I'm going to fucking kill these <laughs> motherfuckers so that the kid can go get me some insulin. That's <laughs> what happened. But, hey, it was fun. And then Alan looked at the guy's face. That... I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I love the fact that they were in the room for the most part, other than just running around the pool table or whatever, the table at one, at one point. That this guy was able to get in there, 
climb into the armor, then stand there <laughs> the entire time while they were doing their business before finally making his move. <laughs> Insanely patient. A lot of patience. Um, then once again, we see the, the killer, Santa, once again outside burying the bodies except for Sam's head, which is in a bucket. What's the killer going to do with Sam's head? We don't know for right now what we're going to find out later on in the movie, but I just like the fact that he's saving that head. You know, it's like, all right, let's Two save it. Two in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll find a use for it later. And then this is where bucket. we cut back to Melody with, mm-hmm. with Alex, <laughs> and she's showing off her two-piece yeah, bikini. Really. Chicken in a bucket. Making that bucket. bikini look so good. I haven't heard that since fucking high school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We used to sit... I have to say that shit when we took shots, dude. We'd be like, chicken in a bucket? Fuck it. <laughs> That's party too. But, <laughs> but yeah, Melody is going to make him mad. And again, mad proximity of being forward to shit and going, yeah, you are totally hitting this shit. You know, because he is yeah. gonna totally to wussing out. You know, he doesn't want nothing to do with it. She's like, uh, look at all this. You are fucking hitting this shit tonight. And you're going to hit it right now. Yeah. You're going to lose his boxes. And, and, again, her taking the driver's seat, fuck yeah. That's the kind of shit that happens in fucking anime, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you're getting your car stamped tonight, kid. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh-huh. Yes. Absolutely. Listen, man, I, I can't even go into detail on the bad things that I'd be doing. Even if that was my first time, man, believe me, I'd seen enough dirty movies at that point to know that that's the kind of girl that you do dirty movie moves with. Um, Hell yeah. You know, so, 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 yeah, I'd, I'd be trying uh, yeah. out all kinds of stuff, man. I, I've never yeah, understood so. the... Uh, the stereotype of the nervous, uh, the the nervous male during the the, the sex thing, but unfortunately, I guess that's yeah. just, that's probably just me. I don't know. I was never nervous about it. I was rip roaring and ready to go. Yeah. So, uh, mad props to Saint Melody in this movie for <laughs> letting <laughs> him get his card stamped. But at the same time, this is where we have to sit there and so, afterwards we sit there. See things change in him, obviously, because all of a sudden he's all like, oh, well, I hit it once. You know, I'm going to sit there and hit all of this shit now. And he's there walking around going, you know, you're kind of cute. Yeah, you're kind of cute. I totally want to hit that shit. It's like, his shit totally fucking changes. After he gets his shit right from Melody, he's like, oh, I'm a fucking player now. I'm going to sit there and try and hit everything that's in this fucking yard now. <laughs> Well, well yeah, fun watching. Be, like, you, know, you know a movie's made or written by a guy when, like, that's the that's the play. You know what I mean? Sex is what defined what was once a timid type of nerd character, and he had sex <laughs> yeah. that one time, man. And like, even if it is somebody like Melody, who's a total sex pot, you know what I mean? It's still like, you know, now the next day he fucking waits. Like, I'm surprised he didn't have like a fucking like a pipe, you know, like ready to fucking puff, puff, puff and, oh yeah, fucking now, <laughs> yeah. Because it is weird because when they when they have breakfast the next day, Alice is still kind of, like, timid and still kind of shy, you know, around Melody. But then you cut to, like, later in the day and they're having a picnic, and all of a sudden he's like, arf, arf, I'm horny for you, baby, all about that pussy. And she's like, oh, yeah, you want to get it, Daddy? And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, that's a fucking tunnel change. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can follow this guy. And then when she leaves, <laughs> all of a sudden he's all about Nancy. And he's like, Nancy, you want some of this, too? Arf. I was like, all right, calm down, dude. You had sex once. 
Be lucky if you have it again. Okay, but I understand because I've been in situations where it's like, you know, in my early 20s where it's like it was one of those weekends where it's like it was literally like just a house full of 20-somethings. Everyone was fucking everyone. And it, like, it was literally no holds barred. And, yeah, I can totally understand, you know, that whole thing of, okay, he got it. He's confident now. That's the thing. He's confident, all right? And he's willing to sit there, hit that shit, and, yeah, you sit there. And those weird-ass weekends where it's, like, no holds barred, yeah, you're going to fucking try and hit everything you fucking can. Well, and while Nancy runs away from Alpha at that wrong. point, that's what we do. <clears throat> So after Nancy <laughs> runs away, we discover... Uh, you know, Ralph's body. It was clearly been a victim of an axe wound to the head. Oh, geez. So his body In the worst way possible. <laughs> <laughs> so let's call in the 70s chief of police, Polanski. He's like, I don't oh, know yes. what to tell you. None of you are leaving. None of you live in this house. We're going to have to call all your parents. And the teacher's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, you know, can't you just find the killer and do your job? No, no, I'm pretty sure I have to call all your parents. Well, come on, like, you know, be cool, be cool. Like, you know, just, just one like, guy. No. Just one guy's been murdered, no big deal. <laughs> Only one. As, as far as I'm concerned, everybody's a suspect. And Nancy's like, well, what about Ralph? Like, you know, I mean, he was just nice, and he just tried to protect me. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, Mr. Ralph, uh, you know, two counts of armed robbery and assault with a deadly weapon. That Ralph? Yeah, it's on his record. Anyway, you have a nice one. <laughs> I was like, oh, is that all he had in his record? And he still got hired? That's pretty nice. For 1980, yeah, I mean, think, hey, job is think, Wow, what the fuck, man? <laughs> We've seen so many uh, summer slashes where it's like, yeah, that dude is always the cook. <laughs> always the cook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or the custodian, you know, something low grade, <laughs> you know. He mops the floors pretty well. So, um, so Alex has shifted his interest from Melody to Nancy. Yeah, so Alex shifted his, his interest to Nancy during this, and he apologizes for being such a hound dog and that he'll protect her and, and do anything he can to save her. Um, Polanski warns Disco Dan and also Jim, the two cops protecting the house, that you can't mess with any of these teens because they come from political influence, so be on your best behavior. Disco Dan takes up the heart. Yeah. I'm a fuck that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to sit there and hit that shit with my fucking balding head and the parts of my teeth, and somehow I'm going to sit there and nail that ballerina chick. Because somehow, for some reason, all the, all the way that I look right now, she wants this fucking Italian dick. That's what I'm telling you. She wants this sausage. Why? Because he ain't worth a fucking damn. He ain't the best, but he's well off. But he still ain't the best. Well, me... I got my fucking shit right here, and it's ready to go. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I just didn't go, hello. Because you would think that she she would stay attached to TJ, being he's the rich one. You know what I mean? That was that yeah. was the whole idea there, is that it was all yeah. about the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we do have that moment that I really enjoyed with TJ uh, overhearing Leah and Disco Dan talking, kind of being flirty with each other. And Disco Dan says, you ever heard about the one in the Louisiana swamp? I'm like, no, I want to hear the rest of it. TJ, don't walk away. No, don't walk away. But, no, he's got, the, you know, he's got the green light to go fuck Melody now. So he's like, I don't even want to hear the end of that joke. I want to go fuck Melody now. And I was like, I can't blame you. 
None of us can blame you because Melody is better than Leah. <laughs> nope. So go ahead. Yeah, and, so and while, Melody is. Yeah. At this point, Melody is mm-hmm. rocking her shit in that fucking tight little white shirt oh, that where she just tied it up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> She's just getting ready to bust out. <laughs> so yeah. So TJ decides that yeah, he is going to turn his attention to the Melody and talk about how he has five years of karate. And no one's going to mess with them if they go outside. Oh, but we see oh, that yeah. the Waka! killer is just walking the grounds, and we have yeah, so Officer all, Jim approaching the killer. It happens. <laughs> yeah. But the, the killer Santa is walking the grounds when Officer Jim notices uh, Santa and just goes, hey, well, what are you doing here? And he's answered with an axe to the forehead, which to me was the best yeah. effects of the movie, just seeing that axe yeah. blow to the head. I was like, okay, this gets the cover of VHS. <laughs> it was perfect. Like, it's just wham, it's over, it's done, and they move on. You know, it's just, it was great to do that. But now we have Nancy has a friend now to walk around the house with her and just fucking look at things. Because Alex is just with her now. So oh, like, no, she's oh my fucking God. And this is what yeah. <laughs> check all the fucking doors, check all the fucking windows. And then, and then this is where it's like, like I was talking about this specific scene is one of those scenes where it's like they run that bad Scooby-Doo soundtrack where they have to sit there wah 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 and going on and it's like okay this has nothing to do with what's going on it's like you couldn't have done it on a fucking different score it's like they only had one fucking score and it was a bad bad mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo kind of soundtrack with a, with a lot of weird ass electronics going on and it did not fit for 75% of the no. fucking movie no, it, it was odd choices, I, I agree. Especially because David Hess is a composer, too. Like he's, he was a guitarist and a musician, and he did the soundtrack for West House on the Left. <clears throat> um, I was kind of hoping you'd do it here, but he didn't. But um, So yeah, we, we see that Leah and Disco Dan officer have officially banged. Oh, I'm just seeing him all sweaty and just in those chains. Oh. Oh, I feel dirty. I feel dirty. Why do I feel so dirty? Like, you know, and he's like, I'm going to go shower. Uh, Great idea. Let's go. Like, you know, let's get, you know, go jump in that shower and just wash away the shame. You, know, you just bang <laughs> this just, oh, disgusting guy. So as Leah strips and opens the shower curtain, we see that Sam's head has been put to good use on the shower head. Woo-hoo! Which leads to Leah's ultimate mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah. I, I dig I dig it. <laughs> you know, I just so want to take a shower. <laughs> But at the same time, as she discovers the head of, of Sam in the shower, you have Officer Disco Dan stabbed in the back, and he crawls into the room just gasping, you know, in his last breath as he falls on the floor. And it's like, oh, at the same time. So she's struck twice, once with the head and then once with her former lover just being knocked down, you know, and dying in front of her. So, yeah, Leah has some problems after this. <laughs> Yeah, but she, she, you know, song. and it's like she, it's like she didn't even bother to take a shower or whatnot like she was supposed to. You know, instead she spends the next half an hour wandering around in whimsy white things. You know, because again, I, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, from what we saw, she's a dancer by nature, and so we have to sit there and watch her dance, and then listen to their tour ADR sing the rest of the time because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> She's supposed to be singing, but we don't see her mouth move for the rest of the fucking movie. Even though her mouth is closed, but we have to sit there and 
for the next 30 minutes, anytime we see her, <laughs> she's singing. And it's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Definitely Giallo well, inspired, because here we go into oh, yeah. ADR territory. <laughs> well, and plus, we're now we're into the third act. We're now it's like money shot, money shot, money shot with the kill. Yep. Like, they're not holding back, you know, anymore. <laughs> like, David has to just step on the gas, and he's not letting off. Um, because we have TJ outside of Melody saying, oh, you know, uh, you know, it was always you that I wanted. And not, never Leah. It was always you. I just, I kind of pretended to like Leah because I just wanted to get with you. And she's like, that is so sweet. Can I give you a hand job, by the way? And he's like, you know, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> but before she can unzip <laughs> his pants, TJ is garroted to death by the killer. Oh, shit. Totally cop blocked. Holy fuck. And a nasty, nasty mm-hmm. way. But I thought okay, my dog okay. was bad. <laughs> and melody covered in blood that sweet sweet shirt goes running back to the house and she alex and nancy discover officer just go dan dead sam's head in the shower and then leah all done up in makeup and suffering from a horrific mental breakdown where all she could do is dance around and hum at this point so she is not going to be of any use you are fucking useless yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, so so maybe yep. I've seen too many Rob Zombie movies and shit like that. But honestly, at this point, as we're coming down into like you know the the, the finale and everything, you know, not to not to cut ahead too too far, but like no. as we're coming no. into the finale, no. I thought Leah was going to end up being part of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right. because she was acting so crazy, she was acting so weird and erratic. I kind of thought they were kind of trying to play it off to the side where, yeah, we had one killer, but she's actually part of this whole thing, too. But first, we got Melody and, uh, and uh, Harry Reams' uh, situation. Oh, see, yeah. because on the flip side, I was thinking, because of the transformation we saw from the kid after he got his you know, card supposedly stamped from Melody... I was thinking he was actually going to be the one that was involved and maybe was possibly a brother no. to, to the I uh, can see to that. our girl at the beginning. Mm. So I was, you know, because we obviously mm. knew who was we obviously knew who was going to be the main killer. All right. But I was thinking this is going to be like maybe a son to the main killer slash a brother to the the main a victim at the beginning me. of the movie. Yeah, so I was thinking I mean, that yeah. was going to play into it, especially Way when we get into the, the, All right, anyway, that's the way I was thinking, okay? Uh, no, it, well, in, in modern day, <laughs> if this movie was made in modern days, that would all work. Like, I would accept any of that, but for 1980, yeah, too complicated. Audiences wouldn't want to think that much back then. They're there to see a slasher, <laughs> you know? Not be, oh, so they were in it all along, and this is what, like, yeah, no. The next, year, the next year, Laurie Strode is going to become Michael's sister. <laughs> yeah, but that gives Michael Myers a reason to kill. I get that. I'll always defend that. I have no problem with it. It gives Michael Myers a reason to stalk her. Because otherwise, what the fuck reason is there? Oh, yeah, in 2018, they explained it. He doesn't have a reason. He just kind of did it. <laughs> you know? uh, so he just likes to kill I people. I still don't like that. Um, so, yeah, we... The phone lines have been cut by the killer. Alex can't reach for help. Melody's going to go run for it and meet up with Harry Reams, the pilot. But in the meantime, the killer shows themselves and a fight ensues between Nancy and the killer Santa, where it is revealed that Mrs. Jensen is the killer Santa. 
and that her Bill daughter was the one that shit. got pushed over the balcony. And <laughs> Nancy quickly knocks her out and then goes running to the house. Again, like we talked about at the beginning, Friday 13th vibe, even though this one came out before Friday 13th, it works here. And Mrs. Jensen actually kind of looks like Betsy Palmer, which I thought was even better. She's not like, yet, kind of she does. Style. You know what? This whole time I was watching this movie, I thought it came out in 83. And so, so for mm. me, I'm watching this saying to myself, yeah, man, wow, they definitely, you know, they were borrowing left and right. They have no shame. Um, but no, see, this is 1980, and knowing this came out prior to Friday the 13th, it's, it's the, the, the similarities are quite surprising. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like, I was thinking the exact same thing as the ghoul. It's like, you know, as soon, you know, because I was like, okay, she's obviously the killer. And then when they sit there and do the full reveal, you know, full reveal of, you know, you let my daughter die and all this kind of stuff. It's like, wow, full-on hardcore Friday their teeth. But again, like we were all saying, this actually came up before. It's like, wow, you know, who did it first then? You know, and it's like, you know, full-on, yeah. And, yeah. you know, my body went to there and bounced to back and forth, back and forth. And it's like, you know, this was there first, you know, but Friday did it bigger and better. And unfortunately, this film has gotten forgotten because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's not as well known, and I think it deserves more credit than it gets. But um, So Melody escaping the house makes it to the airfield where Harry Reams is sleeping underneath a plane. As you do when you're a pilot, you sleep underneath a plane uh, while it's at rest. Well, yeah. Because that's the best place. And it, so... Yeah, instead yeah, of actually sure. in the plane where it's possibly insulated and warm. <laughs> yeah, but meanwhile, like, she explains how everything happened, and he's like, okay, okay, we'll have some sex, and then uh, we'll get out of here, maybe? So she's thinking about it, of course. Okay. But while he's fixing up the plane to take off, all of a sudden the engine starts. And we see that there's a killer Santa behind the wheel, and the oh. propellers kick up, splattering their blood all over the windshield. I kind of wish I'd seen more, but at the same time, I'm glad... Oh. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> Her tits belong in a museum. Damn it. Oh, God, God damn it, they do. <laughs> oh, but, my God, so, they yeah. do. <laughs> so, Pilot Harry Reams and Melody uh, were, you know, slashed to death by the plane propellers. Like I said, I wish I could have seen a little bit more, but I could understand the restraints that you, you're under. For 1980, but they gave you a little bit of blood for that one. Um, Jensen is still stalking Nancy to the house. They get to the balcony, and somehow, with ease, Nancy just kind of flips Jensen over the balcony, killing her. I don't know how it happened. She just kind of backed over the balcony and fell. They they literally cut it. They cut cut it. Like their daughter and everything, and then, like, all of a sudden, you just see Mrs. Jensen falling off the fucking thing. It was so fucking weird. She just all of a sudden she's like, "Well, okay, I'm gonna die now." I'm like, "Oh, okay." But then also though, when she hits the ground, unlike her daughter, she's moving, so it makes it look like you said earlier. And the same thing I thought is like that's survivable. Um, I thought that she survived. I figured that you know we were gonna get our our typical slasher movie, like you know the killer comes back. Yeah, it doesn't seem that far off the ground, but. Once, once Leah is still running around the house just singing and dancing, Nancy takes a second to, like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, let me collect myself. 
But then Santa carrying Mrs. Jensen's body in the Santa costume weighs her body down saying, you killed my wife. And pulling off the Santa gear, it's revealed that it's Officer Polanski, the chief of police. (laughs) You killed my daughter, you killed my wife, and now I'm going to kill you as he proceeds to strangle her. But Alex shows up on the balcony going, eh, eh, how do you work a crossbow? Uh, uh, like, you know, Remember me? I'm in this movie. <laughs> hey, he comes in like fucking Hawkeye with a fucking crossbow and nails the uh, shot. <laughs> he didn't know. Because if it was Hawkeye, he would have nailed it two seconds quicker. This guy was like fumbling around <laughs> for the trigger. He didn't know how to aim. Ow. I don't know. And then he it, shoots him in the back and presumably kills him. But again, we're going off a of slasher logic. In real life, I think he would have survived that because he just got an arrow to the back. I'm pretty sure you probably just go to the hospital and get that taken out. But in yeah, slasher but movie logic, no, that's a kill shot. Yeah, yeah. It's a vital organ, though, man. Yeah, no, that's but, true. Also, but also slasher logic, you got to remember, limbs fly off at a fucking whim, all right? <laughs> They're the softest, right. softest part of the fucking body, all right? So we can sit there and go slasher logic because there is no fucking slasher logic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, you, you can't apply it to, to movie logic, real-life things. I mean, if we apply things to real life, the Home Alone bandits would be dead by the time yeah. they're all Kevin's traps. Yeah, we covered that. <laughs> yeah. They tested it. <laughs> um, yeah. So with, with both killers being vanquished, we have Alex and Nancy just being the survivors of the film. They're able to escape the house. Nancy's like, well, what about Leah? We'll send somebody for her. Let's go. And they yeah, get the fuck out. out. <laughs> wow. Leah just dances on, and on, da, 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 on the balcony. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Alex is probably like, I don't want anything to do with that shit. Like, yeah. That's your friend. You can go back for her, but I'm out of here. Bitch, I'm saving you and only you. If you want to go back later, that's fine. But we are getting our asses to the fucking police and getting the fuck out of here before anything else happens. Ah, man. At, at this point, since he saved her life now, you know, by the time they got to the end of the driveway, he was like, oh, come on now, aren't you going to give me any of that? Yeah. Oh, Nancy's definitely not. She is definitely that person that gets fucking shy just thinking about kissing somebody. She's not going to give him a wrister. She's not even going to let him see her tits. She's going to be like, thank you for saving me. I'm shy. Shut up. I had a girlfriend like that, man. Oh, oh. She was a a really nice girl, but she was the kind of chick that, like, when you'd go to, like, I don't know, like, again, coming off of uh, the the relationship prior, which was very hot and heavy and and, and involved all kinds Mm -hmm. of uh, touching and and other other things, you know, going into this one with this one, I couldn't even get to, like, you know, to use our our high school terminology, I couldn't even get to second base. The second I'd start going, like, Mm. up the shirt, she was, like, so ticklish that, like, she couldn't even, like, like, handle it, you know? So it was just, like, I don't know, a couple months down the road of dealing with that was, like, yeah, this isn't going to work. No, she she blew him up because she had an 8 o'clock date with Bill Murray. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. She had to go be, you know, Charles in Charge's uh, girlfriend, you know, in a couple of minutes, so she had to go. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, that that guy's not getting any action. He just stuck with Melody. He could have died, you know, an honorable death, getting fucked to death. I mean, who knows? 
But no, instead, you know, he went with Nancy, who is. It should have saved you Melody. You know that, you know. Yeah, yeah he should have. It's going to be horrible. Like, you know that she's going to be one of those people that gives a blowjob where she's like, eh, eh, are you ready? Are you done yet? Like, no, like, you just started. Okay, <laughs> fine. You know. You can't claim lockjaw in two minutes into a blowjob. <laughs> you know, where it's like, you know, you just have to keep being supportive and saying, you're doing great. Meanwhile, you're like, ah, I'd rather be anywhere but here right now. <laughs> nah, I don't lie. I've never lied about it. You know, and if they're not doing a good job, they're, they're good to know. <laughs> That's what you need, honestly. Don't lie. Be honest. Like, if you're not happy, they can't be happy. So let's do it. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, she's just the type of character that's going to be that way, you know. So he'll be lucky if you get to see her tits, you know, let alone get a kiss or a hand-holding sesh. But, so that was To All Good Night from 1980, directed by David Hess. Uh, as I said earlier, this is our last episode of 2021. We'll be back in January 2022 with a film pick from the Mad Monkey himself. Uh, I don't know if you have that pick ready or not, but either way, it'll be announced I do. Uh, the week prior. I do. Okay, where are we going? He does. I do. He we're does. Gonna, and, and we're going to start the year off. Fuck horror, Jason. All right, fuck that shit. I'm tired of that shit, and we're going to go straight up. We've never done it before on this show. And next year, we are going the original The Wicker Man. Hey, that's a good one. I know the Dean will be happy with that one. Mm-hmm. And the Dean's a huge fan of that one. And I think it's on Prime, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. You'll have to check. But, yeah, no, it's a good one. Good pick, Monkey. I know that he'll be happy when he comes back. Talk about Wicker Man and his, his special box set that he got. And this, will be a first time for, and this will be a first time viewing for me. All right? So I'm very, very excited to cover this. Okay. Just, just so you guys know, it's like I, I, like this is like one of those movies that's like been on my list for a long, long, long time. And then when you and I cross-referenced and shit like that, and we, we, you know, we were like, we never done it on the show. I was like, oh fuck yeah, double win! All right, so awesome. That's it. So yeah, not the one with Nicolas Cage and the bees, but the original no, Wicker Man. No, no, we're talking about okay. the original Wicker Man. All right. Okay, <laughs> just to be straight, because I could watch both, but I will only watch the original for the show, uh, which will be back on January fifth for that episode, so stay tuned for that in the new year. But there's going to be plenty of new horrors, new laughs, and new terrors to behold on Talking Terror. So thank you so much, Monkey, for joining us for tonight's episode, and we'll be rejoining on January 5th for The Wicker Man. Yeah. Uh, again, um, thank you guys for letting me share my love of horror and strength with you guys. And as always, thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Good night, everybody. Mwah! See you next year. All right. <laughs> All right. Go on. You go ahead and sign yourself off. Uh, everybody, have uh, if, if, if it is the holiday that you are celebrating, have a Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, I hope you had a Happy Hanukkah. I know that was a couple of weeks ago. Again, we'll see you in 2022. Have a Happy New Year. Hopefully, I'll be spending mine in Chicago with the uh, with the, the wild antics of, of the gaggle and, and everybody else. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, starting the year off right, we're going straight horror. 
the Wicker Man, not horror adjacent. Thank you, Monkey, for leaving no. horror adjacent in 2021, <laughs> baby. 2021, hey, hey, let's do horror films. <laughs> That's right. Stay scared, everybody. We want to make horror movies great again. <laughs> All right. Excellent. So, yeah, you know, we, we are excited to be coming back in January of 2022 with a lot more horror, maybe not so much horror adjacent movies. We're going to try to keep it in the realm where it belongs. But as always, hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. And just thank you so much for everybody that listens. Uh, I know Marie discovered our show this year, and she can't get enough. It's like every day she's listening to another episode. So thank you so much for that support. And for everybody that comments on our Talking Terror page on Instagram, you guys are fucking amazing. So thank you and keep it up. And hopefully we'll have even more people following us in the new year. So as always, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Happy all the holidays. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2022, folks. Coming strong with the Lion King. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.